Hello and welcome to this week's edition of BPM Pod, the podcast where we get behind people's music. My name is Chris, I am your host today on my own again, and whose music we getting behind this week? That's right, our very own new jingle we getting behind this week. Uh, Ash and I were like, let's talk about the new jingle, how I recorded it, uh, what my thought process was and whatever, because we like all the time talk about drum samples this, and auto-tune that, and whatever, and so we thought it might be cool for some of you guys who are maybe not into music production yet to, to show some of the... Like the, the the cool stuff and the cool shit you can do, the magic uh, behind it, and yeah, just give you a little insight behind the scenes, a sneaky peeky, whatever. Uh, so yeah, here it is, one more time, the new Heavy SF jingle. Right, so before we start, just let me get a sip of my zero sugar decaf cola. I'm not even kidding, that shit is basically lemonade at this point, or water, and of course, healthier than water. Mmm. Wow, I came from ice with, ice with it. Ah, refreshing. Alright. <clears throat> okay, cool. So let's talk about the jingle. The most interesting aspect. Uh, right from this, uh, from the get-go, is that basically 80% of it was being made, recorded dig- digitally. So no real drums, no real keyboard, uh, no real amps. What is actually real about it is the bass playing and the guitar playing. And the wah-wah effect on the, on the lead guitar. But everything else is uh, are either drum sample, or like samples or virtual amps or virtual instruments or whatever you'd like to call them VSTs plugins and it goes to show that because of time and uh, like budget restraints it sometimes you just have to go with the stuff that's available and these days it doesn't even matter because ev- because everything just sounds so good and oftentimes better than the stuff you can record at home yourself especially when it comes to drum samples we talked about in I talked about it in previous episodes that it is a shit ton of work to actually record drums because you have to set up mics and you have to arrange them in a certain way to reduce uh, spillage or mic bleed. And then you have to clean up the recordings with gating and whatever because on every snare there's still the hi-hat in the background that you can hear. Because microphones are not AI yet and uh, are not are like I record everything that I hear. So using samples is a at least for this 17 second jingle with eight bars of drums, uh, like the <laughs> the way to go. It's so much more cost and time effective. If I would have gone to record actual drums with my drummer, that would have taken me, I think, about three to four hours and that includes driving through the rehearsal space setting up the mics setting up the amp like the the preamps for recording driving back home cleaning up the recordings so at least three to four hours uh programming programming samples took me 15 minutes um 
and that being said like the the drum samples and you that you can purchase these days are so good like any regular home producer does not even have access to all the stuff that's being used like in my case i was using get good drums the modern and massive pack and the range of cymbals and 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 shells as as in snares and kicks and toms and whatever is like so good all the mic pre's the microphones like nobody could ever afford that uh, at least not at our level of professionalism so drum samples it is all right so when i first thought about where i wanted to go with the new jingle i was like i had two options in mind either either i am going to make it very orchestral and epic sounding or i'm going heavy um and i'm going to show you a draft of the orchestral one which is weird and didn't work out at all in the end uh, and not even ash has heard that one so there you go buddy um yeah, sometimes it's quantity over quality when you're in the phase of finding an idea as with all things uh, artistic and creative. And I don't know if that stuff is ever going to be used for anything or I don't know. But yeah, here we are with the with the version that didn't cut it in the end. Cool. So obviously I went with the heavy stuff in the end and I thought to myself, okay, I wanted to make it like, I don't want it to make it super high end produced. I wanted to make it a bit dirty and gritty and like very high emphasis on room sounds, especially on the drums. So when I started to pick a, now let's just go with the drums on their own. So you can hear what I'm talking about. Here are just the drums. There we go. As you can hear, there is a lot of room sound in the uh, in the snare drum. And the snare, uh, yeah, yeah, the snare drum has. A, there's a lot of snare room, Jesus Christ, and there's a lot of kick room as well, which is pretty uncommon for me. Uh, for the music I tend to make, like having room mics on the kick or have like using the room samples from the kick, not something that you can hear very often in metal and rock, at least not audible. I know that there are a couple of producers who love to put it in there just to give the kick drum more width uh, because of the stereo imaging that is happening uh, when you're using stereo room samples for the for the kick drum. But usually it just clutters uh, all the frequencies where the guitars should sit. And especially like the kick drum is large amount of the kick drum is low frequencies so you just cut that from the kick room anyway uh, but for this i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna do it I'm, I'm gonna put a lot of room on the kick drum so here it is on its own and with the kick together wow 
whoa, uh, makes it feel a bit more like you're like gives of course gives it a bit more room and makes it a bit more uh, natural sounding, because when you're uh, when you're in front of a drum set you're not hearing what the what the kick mic is hearing right you're not your your ear is not right next to the beater, uh, and so therefore you usually have to hear some of the room sound around it. Uh, same goes for the snare. This is the snare on its own, the close mic. And here's its room. And as you can hear, uh, the room is pretty heavily compressed and even distorted to give it more smack. Close mic and room mic together. Now that shit's pretty heavy, and I even left the like the ringing sound, the overtone of the snare. There's like a uh, always with it, and I wanted to leave that in there because again, like I w I thought I wanted to be a bit dirty and a bit like and not too over processed, which is ironic because samples used to uh, tend to have that overproduced sound anyway. Uh, last but not least, the cymbals with a bit of snare because it's overheads, right? Nothing crazy going on here, and drums all together again. There we go. Pretty cool. Uh, not a lot of shit going on. It has been compressed. Uh, there is a bit of clip distortion on there as well, and it is limited. So, And some tape distortion to make it sound more gritty and, and nasty. All right, next up, bass. Um, for this, uh, like the bass sound in this is pretty, I think it's pretty old school because it has a lot of mids in there. It sounds a bit like almost cardboardy, but I wanted it just to slap and not to have too many mids cut and too many highs distorted. Like the modern way of mixing and rec uh, recording and mixing bass is pretty much uh, duplicating the bass track and having the lows pretty much clean all the way and super compressed and the mids and highs distorted to hell. Uh, I'm, I really don't like that sound and barely you will find multiple bass tracks uh, in my mixing session. I pretty much like to mix on one track, still use multi-band uh, multi processing such as multi-band distortion. Uh, but uh, long story short, the, the bass is pretty like boring in itself in itself but when i was mixing i was like i like the bass to be pretty loud this time i wanted to give it this nasty 2000s crossover uh almost grunge doomy dirty sound so but not too dirty yeah you know whatever just listen to it So pretty gnarly, even the recording is pretty gnarly. There's some like actual uh, digital clip clipping happening there. But I wasn't too worried worried about that because like I said, I wanted it to to feel to feel a bit dirty. In the beginning you can he actually hear uh, me bending on the bass like if like if you're if you're bending on the bass and don't do the same uh, stuff with the guitars, it always sounds a bit weird, but in this case I, I I'm really satisfied with the with the outcome. Here we go again, the bass guitar. Thank you. 
Hell yeah, love it. Um, interesting fact also about the bass recording. This is just a DI, so it doesn't go uh, through any amp simulations or IRs, uh, like impulse responses or cabinet or cabinets or whatever. Just a processed DI and not even like super processed. Of course, some equalization and a lot of compression, but no unusual freaky stuff in there. Uh, basically as if you would have recorded directly into a mixing desk, a mixing console. Cool. Uh, next up, the guitars. Now this is a bit interesting. There are actually rhythm guitars. Let's go with rhythm guitars first. There are actually four tracks of guitar playing at all times. At all, this <laughs> sounds way cooler than it is because it's just 16 seconds of music. Um, but anyway, like I said in the beginning, there is not an actual amp on this recording. Um, I was going straight into the audio interface with my guitar. I think it was the PRS that I'm using with EMG pickups. I was thinking about using passive pickups on this because they're like a bit more muddy and um, not as like not as pristine sounding, but it sounded too like it was too mushy at the end for me so i went um with the prs again like with the active pickups i have a lot more clarity and just the direct signal how you record guitar into an audio face is like the weirdest and nasty sounding shit ever so this is what a single guitar sounds like directly recorded into the interface Hang on, there's a bit of room reverb on there, which I do not want yet. There we go. And then there's a duplicate of that one, because we are double tracking, which sounds like this. So sounds absolutely stupid, um, but with the magic of modern DSP, you can of course put in a, put a virtual amplifier and a virtual cabinet on there, and it makes it sound huge AF. So we're taking these two guitar tracks, panning one to the right side. So this is for all you guys listening on headphones. Um, on a mobile, on a, on a phone speaker, this will sound pretty uh, boring. Um, putting one to the right side and putting one to the left side, activating the amps and suddenly we have this. Baboom. Uh, now, as with the drums, I was going for more of a roomy sound, so I added a room reverb to the guitars just to give it a bit more of space, like if you would actually listen to someone play guitar in a, in a small club or in a studio. And it sounds like this. Now, uh, if you're not that used to like 
very directional or specific listening to stuff, it's pretty hard to hear the reverb because it's like very subtle um, while the riff is being played. But listen especially to when I stop the recording. You can hear the, the, the very short reverb tail at the end. So here's the guitars again without the reverb and listen to how, the, how, the, how they immediately stop when I stop the recording. Like the tone goes and it's, it's gone. And that's that. Now with the reverb, you can actually hear like a very short tail at the end. That's the, that's the room sound and it is a 200 millisecond reverb. There we go. Now, um, when I recorded those guitars, I was like, I still need some more clarity, more definition of the sound. So I thought, let's just go for quad tracking this time. And I recorded another set of guitars, again, hard pen to the left and to the right. But I went for a different amplifier in this case. And those guitars sound like this. So a lot less distortion um, compared to the to the previous one. Let's listen to them again. And the more clean ones. This is a pretty common technique to to give the the distorted guitars more of a like more definition, so that you can actually hear the riff better. You have uh, less overtones and less less uh, compression because of the distortion. So, um, quad tracking oftentimes producers even let their let the guitar players or guitar players themselves choose other guitars for the or at least other pickups or whatever for the for the third and fourth uh, track to to give even more a different give it a more of a different sound and to like create this massive wall of guitars that's a pretty common technique these days the downside is of course you have to play very tight together um and you might need a few tries to make it actually sound uh, consistent and uh, all, all in all very tight. So usually this stuff works better with slower riffs or open chords or something like that. If you have like super fast Slayer Children of Bottom style riffs, um, you won't find quad tracking that often. And like quad tracking is not even like the the tip of the iceberg. I know that for I think it was the Dark Passion Play album, Nightwish uh, sometimes used six guitar tracks. So sky's the limit. Uh, but I, in my opinion, there are diminishing returns in the end. So let's listen to the guitars again. I start out with only the heavier distorted guitars, and then at the middle of the riff, I I'll add in the cleaner ones. Here we go. So of course there's also some more mid-range coming through, but you can hear like that it gets more, it gets clearer as soon as the second guitars pop in as well. Cool. So now the lead guitar. Uh, nothing really special going on here. Uh, 
The most analog part, besides the guitar of this, is the wah pedal that I actually use. So, of course, there are emulations of wah pedals that you can use. But in my opinion, no digital wah that I've ever heard yet has come close to, to an analog one. And for this, I have been using a Crybaby. Which one is it? Um, the Crybaby 535Q, which has an adjustable Q, like an adjustable filter, and an extra boost. Uh, I usually use the regular old Crybaby, the, the standard one. I think it's a GQ95 or something like that. But that was in a rehearsal space, uh, space back when I recorded this, so I had to use what was um, here in my home studio. And without the amp simulation, it sounds pretty dumb. So let's check this out how a clean guitar into a audio interface sounds with wah-wah on there. Yup. Um, not a lot of comping in there. Um, then I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. Comping is when you are cutting together different takes of the same line to have a consistent product at the end. Um, there is a clip of Billie Eilish uh, showing how, to, I think showing David Letterman, I think, how vocal comping is done for the album and how like in, in one vocal track in the doll there's like, I don't know, 30 to 50 cuts and to make it one consistent uh, like vocal track uh, but in this case there's only two cuts uh, no it's one it's one it's actually just one the first part oh sorry that's the first part and then it's the second part and these are being played like these have been cut together because I, when I compose solos or write melodies, I um, compose them a couple of bars at a time. So this is not very unusual for me to come together a solo or a melody. Uh, still, I'm trying to make as few cuts as possible to give it a more consistent feel. Let's add the amp on top of there. <laughs> So super heavily distorted uh, using the um, Neural DSP Nolly amplifier for this. Then it goes into a mixing console emulation, nothing crazy happening there. Uh, but at the end there's an echo, which is very nice. Click, cool, and that's the lead guitar, solo guitar. Of course, it's the same melody as with the first version of the jingle. I wanted to keep it because I like it, and I think it is, like has some uh, gives gives us some brand recognition, and uh, it's never going to change. No, I don't know. Maybe for season three, we will do something new. Um, and last but not, but not least, there is a keyboard at the end for the last chord when the uh, key switches from, is that E or is that D minor? I don't even remember, must be D minor, uh, switches to D major. 
the very last bar, suddenly this comes in. And in context... So I love adding keyboards to to guitars and whatever. Um, but for this, I was like, let's just let make it make it a highlight of the song. And I don't have like a, that's not a, a real Hammond organ. I wish I had one, but they're so huge and so heavy and so expensive. So of course you use a sample again. But the funny thing is that it this isn't even like a regular uh, Hammond organ uh, plugin or sample. It is. To go full inception, a sample of a Mellotron loading up various Hammond samples. So we gotta go deeper, bro. Um, the the plugin, the instrument is called a Sampletron, which is a Mellotron um, VST plugin. And a Mellotron is basically the first sampler, one of the first samplers that uh, was. Uh, developed or built back in the I don't know I think 60s so it is basically a keyboard that has tapes in it and they're being played and uh, they're being played back and you have like like a sample player and it, like most famous uh, old school Mellotron users would be King Crimson and Genesis of course and like in, in, in more modern times, Stephen Wilson, Porcupine Tree, Opeth, like they all and we all dig the sound of, of those gnarly, dirty tapes with the with the with the organ samples on there or even the choir the, the choir and the vibe samples of Mellotrons are like so recognizable by now. Um everybody uses them and it's so cool i like it and the cool thing about sampletron this one is you can even load your own samples and then give it that vintage feel and makes it like super cool and hipster style um yeah sample starts and then i'm pushing up the modulation to give it more of a wobbly wibbly wobbly at the end let's just listen to it again and there's the wobble We're also pushing it through some tape uh, distortion to give it even more of a volume boost as well as uh, overtones and distortion and compression. So without the tape. And with the tape. Yep, makes it dirty AF and we like that. We like to be dirty AF. Uh yeah, there we are. This is the new jingle. This is um, BPM part jingle opening season two. I think it needs a name, doesn't it? Like, like a TV series. The 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 the, the main theme. It's just it's it's not just TV series theme, but it needs to be like there's a name for it. Mm, I don't know. I right now I can't think of something. What should we call it? Maybe, hmm, I don't know. Let's raise them beers or something like that. Um, yeah, here we go. Like uh, There we go. So if you have questions regarding this, uh, just let us know. Uh, send them in via Facebook, via Instagram, 
via the gram, via I don't know where we are, uh, via email or carrier pigeon or whatever. Uh, let us know if you like the sound of the the almost all digitally produced stuff. If it is not even real rock anymore, what you would have done different, what you would have liked better. Yeah, just just let us know, and we'll we'll talk about it. And yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from you guys. So. As for the next episode that will come out, it's going to be cool. I'm going to talk about two shows that I played. One very little short one for friends and family. And then there's one bigger one, like a real gig again, finally on a little festival. With lots to talk about, lots of stories to tell. Uh, we're going to talk about, do we acquire new gear? I don't think so. But we... Uh, like I had a couple of ideas for new segments. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, ask Ash to distinguish real recordings from MIDI recordings, and then he's going to give me a challenge to to build sounds with uh, with my guitar pedals to to like to rebuild famous sound guitar sounding retire not retire sorry famous sounding guitar recordings to to reproduce the sounds you know what i mean so he's gonna say chris this is song a and the guitar sounds mad and please rebuild that sound with your guitar pedals and i'm gonna try to do that uh let's see if i can succeed and then I'm going to say to Ashley, I told you so, I'm the best at guitar sound making. Yes. So, thank you for listening. Uh, th thank you for sticking with me, hearing me ramble about uh, music production and talking to myself in my room again. This is always very weird when I do that by myself. I don't know how Ashley did that for uh, for however long he did it. Um, I think I'm getting used to it i hope i have recorded everything that would be super stupid if i didn't do yes the program is still running i am great thank you everybody for tuning in uh speak to you soon i need a cool catchphrase at the end oh and now i got a message on whatsapp my mom's asking if we wanted oil uh hang on it's a specific oil, but I don't know the English word. Linseed oil. Very high in omega-3, I've heard, but I don't know. I don't think plant sources of, uh, of omega-3 are that potent compared to animal sources. I don't know. But I don't... Mm, no, I don't need linseed oil. Isn't Lindsay is it like flaxseed or whatever? Thanks everybody for tuning in. As he, let's see you in the next episode of BPM Pod, the podcast where we talk mad stuff about all them productions. See you later. Yeah.